You were born with individual strengths and a unique purpose. Don't let fears, false beliefs, or life's happenings diminish your influence. It's time to live and lead for impact. Host Kirsten Ross, expert of transformation, will help you defeat the drama and overcome the trauma that can stop you in your tracks. You'll gain focus, find confidence, and take bold action. Unleash passionate, purposeful you. Let's go. Welcome to Live and Lead for Impact. I'm Kirsten Ross Vogel, your host, and this is episode 255. Today's guest is going to be phenomenal. I can't wait for you to meet him. His name is Nathaniel Garrett Novasel. He is a professional researcher and advisor with over 20 years of experience studying individual and group behavior. Nathaniel spent most of his career using the insights from this research to help the world's leading executives solve their most pressing organizational challenges and create this, their strategic plans. Noticing the common drivers of success in all areas of life, he decided to devote his research, problem solving, and advisory skills to helping people live the best lives possible. He's also author of The Meaning of Life, Life the Book. Uh, and you can find more information about that by going to yourmeaninginlife.com. And of course, that link, as always, will be at today's show notes. But I want to bring him on. Welcome. Nate. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I look forward to learning more about about your work. And I love the shift that you've taken and how you're utilizing your your research um, studying experience. So tell me about your work more specifically and what impact is it that you're working to make in the world? Sure. So, um, you know, it all started when I was six. So my father disappeared in the middle of the night when I was five. Uh, and while I don't remember how I felt because I didn't have full memories formed yet, uh, I know when I was six, when I went to see him uh, the next year, uh, I went out for three weeks and two days to see him in California. I'm, I'm from Pittsburgh. And I felt like someone ripped my heart out of my chest when I got back to Pittsburgh. It just I was, felt hopeless and empty and worthless and miserable. And I wouldn't wish that feeling upon anyone. So at that moment, though, I asked myself, like, what is the point of all this? We're going to suffer. This is, this is painful. It hurts. And I don't, <laughs> I don't want to experience this. Um, and then the back of my brain said, that's a fascinating question. What's the meaning of life? I wonder if anyone knows the answer to that. Um, this is at seven or six. Yeah, six? that's at seven. That's, that's six. Yeah, yeah. Six years old. I'm asking myself. What the wow. Life is. <laughs> I, I feel like you hit that question a little earlier than most. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, and on top of it, I have uh, just a mild like Asperger's, you know, so I have trouble with human connection and things like that, making friends. Um, and so I study human behavior to try to emulate human behavior <laughs> as well. So there was a little bit of trying to answer that question, a little bit trying to understand how the mind works and how everything works. Um, so I did that for like, uh, I don't know, it was, I think it was about 23 years before I came up with the idea that like, well, if I were to write a book, I would, I would communicate what, what's important in life. Uh, how would I do that? And at first it was kind of a success thing that I wanted to convey to people because I was changing jobs and I was imagining a speech. I didn't, I didn't give it, but I was thinking about it. And I was like, well, you need desire, you need belief. And I started listing these things and I was like, well, yeah, but what's, is this success? what's the point? And then that, that, you know, 23 year old thing at the time uh, came into my mind and said, well, like what's meaning? And I was like, well, yeah, desire, belief. And I was like, well, what's all about growth? And it's about trying to be better and, 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 and help uh, people around you and things like that. So I was like, well, wait a second. Um, and I, I, I was onto something. So I identified uh, at first, it was like, I think it was like five and seven, and then finally eight, um, after I kind of thought about it, and worked through it, there are eight drivers that uh, drive a human's uh, sense of, uh, of meaning and purpose in their lives. Uh, and so what I hope to do is that 
lot after reading all these different books and opinions, the two biggest issues I had were that people couldn't separate, uh, um, you know, quote unquote, the meaning of life from like what ethics you should have and what goal you should have. And goals are subjective and ethics are dependent on the goal. You know, you know, should you run three times a week? Well, are you trying to run for a marathon? Well, you should do more than that. If you don't care, then you should don't even have to run that much. So that like, so you can't answer those questions and yet people are imparting them onto others, like their, their gospel, no pun intended there. Uh, and then what, uh, the other thing that bothered me is that people told you like assumed a goal when they gave you a self-help book, like success or money or, you know, running a business. And that's fine if you know what the goal is, but if you don't know what the goal is, then how do you figure it out? So what I was hoping to do is first create a, a description or explanation that was scientific, but also, you know, left open, uh, the, the possibility of, of spiritual, uh, involvement in, in the universe. I, I didn't, uh, have an opinion on it. I just said, can we please set it aside? Cause I can't prove it. Um, but then the second thing is I wanted to be able to have a guide for someone who didn't know what they wanted and didn't want to be unnecessarily or unduly influenced by another person who's kind of putting their ethics on them. Wow. Okay. So there's a lot to unpack from that. And I have so many yeah. questions, follow-up questions. I'm <laughs> trying to like wrap my brain. Okay. Sure. Uh, because definitely we need to unpack these eight. And I also love um, how you're, you know, talking about, cause I think it's beyond ethics, even like mm -hmm. others can push us in direction. I call it the lazy river way of doing life, which yeah. is like life experiences or other people just bump us along and yeah. that we need to get our arms in the water. Um, but to do that, you, yeah, you got to figure out what's the direction. And so that's that whole meaning of life thing. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I feel like I need to backtrack and say, like, sure. at what point did you start diving into these more comprehensive or um, specific questions around this? You know, you, you kind of you, you jump from age six to <laughs> Yeah. into your twenties. So what did you kind of figure out? Or I'm just, I'm enthralled by the fact that these questions came up for you, uh, you know, as someone who sometimes I'm working with people in their fifties and they still haven't talked about it, but so you were mm -hmm. in your, you were six. And so what, like what level yeah. of, or capacity did you have to kind of even think about it at that point? And then let's jump to the eight and the, the ethics and all of that. Yeah. So between that giant jump was just decades of studying everything I could get my hands on. So uh, psychology, uh, philosophy, religions, uh, and then even sciences like biology and so forth. I, I mean, one of my favorite uh, documentaries of all time was the Nova one on, on becoming human, I think it's what it's called. Uh, and it shows how all the things that how humans evolve, like why do we have less hair than other primates? And it's because, you know, we were running around in the heat for long distances. And so we developed sweat glands so we could survive and, and, and make it so we can hunt for food better. And it's like, wow, that's amazing. And so like all that cool insight. Just, I, I just sucked it all up. Um, but yeah, it wasn't the reason why there was a long time jump is that I understood how all of it worked and I could explain it to other people and people were like, wow, that's amazing. Uh, and everyone was surprised. And I had this weird thing where I was like, well, if I knew it, then everyone knew it. It was just this, this dumb thing. So uh, it wasn't until I was about, I think it was 29 ish, give, give or take is when I really said, well, if I were to explain everything I learned over decades to someone else, how would I explain it in a way that would help them be successful? But then I overexplain things. It's just a nature of who I am. <laughs> and so it's like, how can I break it down? Like I, I gave myself some rules when I was starting to write the outline, which is each chapter just had to be one word. I couldn't, cause like I would be like, blah, 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 blah. That would be me. And so I, I was like, no, one word for each chapter. Then you could explain all you want, but, uh, but, but summarize it and, and, and even have a paragraph at the beginning that explains what you're talking about. Uh, and so as I did that, that's how I crafted these eight things. They're, they're concepts that underline a, a person's sense of 
meaning. So it's not saying here's your, what your meaning in life should be, but it's here's how you derive meaning in your life. So master these ideas and use them uh, to find a sense of meaning and purpose in your life. So it's more of a how to book, not a what yeah. to think book. That's awesome. Well, and also I'd love to circle back to that. So at, at six, were you always, did you already realize that you were on the spectrum and uh, began kind of studying how to emulate versus kind of naturally doing that? Or was it later? And how has this work helped you? Uh, I didn't get diagnosed till a few years ago. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you're no like, one- oh yeah, that's what was going on. No, no one knew. I was just really quiet when I was a kid. Um, and I noticed that people would be bored when I talked and then there was just stuff like that. And then I watch all these movies and see all these people with friends and having fun and doing all this stuff. And, and three things crossed my mind. One is one is like, my life is nothing like that. Um, uh, secondly, I wonder if I could somehow learn how to behave in that way to get that result. <laughs> and then um, the 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 final uh, kind of nail in the coffin there was was realizing um, I actually don't like those things. Like <laughs> it was like I I like I like reading or I like playing video games or I like doing stuff alone and and like trying to like parties just. I don't understand them. I'm like, so I'm trying to break it down. This is how analytical I am. So I'm like, okay, there's a bunch of people standing. There's music in the background. You're holding drinks. Sometimes you're dancing. Sometimes you're not. You're talking to other people. It's mostly small talk. And then you go from one group to another. How do you do that? So I'm sitting there like, because my brain thinks more like a computer than a human. So I'm sitting there trying to like figure out how to calculate how to behave in a party. And it's just like, and I just get exhausted. And I'm just like, so I just thought I was an introvert most of my life. And then uh, I actually took an Asperger's test because it said, well, if you, you, it looks kind of like introversion, but then you also have these things. And I actually took the test. And I think it's like a minimum of 30 that, that says, well, you're probably on the spectrum. And I scored, I, I forget the exact number. I think it was like a 44 or something. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, maybe I do have uh, some uh, uh, beyond just being an introvert. Yeah. Uh, well, kudos. And I, t- <laughs> I must say, I mean, I think a lot of people, but you know, underneath when they're at those parties are kind of thinking and being calculated <laughs> as well. Like how long do I have to stand with this certain group of people? Cause this is not interesting at all. <laughs> and, and how can I smoothly move on to the next or figure out something that's entertaining and where I can enjoy myself. So, yeah. um, all right. So, well, let's, uh, I love how you've utilized, um, all of this. So what what I'm hearing is, yeah, the research, even like official and just like watching movies and documentaries and all that stuff that the power behind these eight drivers is really um, a summary, a simplified summary of a wealth of information. So yeah. uh, can you share the eight? Yeah, sure. Of course. Um, and of course, it, I'm going to say they're all in the book, The Meaning of Life. But go ahead. Yeah, it's a, it's a 360 page book. So it's a it's a beast. There's more than just the the, the eight and that's it. Um, but um, the eight factors are uh, growth, experience, desire, belief, emotions, ethics, support, choice. Is okay if it, is it okay if I spend a minute or two explaining absolutely. how all that works? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, people so, are going to want a little more than that. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Well, I go through the eight so people know, and they can mm-hmm. run them down. They can replay this uh, yeah. over and over again. Um, but yeah, so the way that these work, the meaning of life is growth, and I mean that through three definitions of meaning, because most people mean like end goal, and that's not a real. There's there's no such thing as an end goal in life. Um, and some people mean ethics and all these other things, and that's that's not what that means. The three uh, uh, definitions that uh, of meaning that uh, growth uh, fulfills 
skills are the definition of life. You can go look it up. It says uh, you can't define life without saying the capacity for growth. That's literally what it says in the definition. Um, so that's part of the definition of life. Um, the second is what's all living organisms intent. And so, you know, Darwin proved the the negative, which is it's it's to not die, right? <laughs> it's to survive. Uh, but what do you survive to do? You survive to grow. Uh, you could say reproduce. That's a form of growth, right? Reproduction is a form of growth. So growth is the the point. It's what everyone's trying. Intent is what they're all trying to do. Uh, and then finally, it's what makes it significant. So if you think of like lifetime achievement awards or you know Emmy awards or whatever, like you don't the 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 thing you did did not get the award. It like you go up and accept it, right? So they give it to you. And why do they give it to you or a person? Uh, they give it to a person because the person grew into the person who could achieve that, who could who could do that because they kept practicing and getting better until they could do that wonder create that wonderful work of art. So or whatever it is. Uh, and so that's why you win awards because uh, the the growth uh, that you uh, show or the growth that you help others, like it, maybe you inspire people to do great things, buy your movie or whatever, uh, that's why you win uh, the award. Um, so you can prove uh, that growth is the point through those uh, objective, uh, uh, you know, assess uh, accessible definitions. Um, now, here's how everything else works and how that all fits in, because you can curl your finger a thousand times and then tomorrow curl your fingers a thousand and one times. That doesn't necessarily mean that you find it meaningful, right? That's why can you I need ask the other a thing. question about sure. Because I'm curious. So um, the award situation, mm -hmm. though, is always external. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming that. So what is there in internal or a higher power or something like that? I mean, is it all because, mm -hmm. gosh, what if what if you do great things, but you're really quiet about it and mm -hmm. people don't really know? Is that still is that oh. still growth? Yeah, yeah, it still is. Uh, the, I use the the external uh, acknowledgement as a way to show how humanity as a whole uh, in, inherently understands that growth is what makes life significant. Mm, That's it. why okay. I'm not pointing out that you have to get an award to, I was to like, get validation. Oh, shoot. No. <laughs> No, no, it, it just means like significance, right? So yeah. and then let's take the greater meaning or greater impact or higher meaning that you were just describing. So what does higher meaning or greater meaning mean? Well, honestly, it just means meaning beyond yourself. So how do you get greater or higher meaning? You help others. It's that simple. That is mm -hmm. higher, or greater meaning. There, the, it, it, I mean, yeah, you can go uh, sit in a cave on a mountain somewhere and, and meditate uh, for for years uh, and try to get some sort of like higher spiritual awakening or whatever. But you're not going to feel greater purpose unless you're having an impact beyond your beyond yourself. So there doesn't so, have to be a physical like trophy in it. It's just it could be just a thanks from someone or some or just knowing that I secretly did the thing and I made yeah, yeah. this impact. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I, I just use the award as an, an example of how yeah, yeah. people generally acknowledge it. Awesome. Sorry. I just uh, wanted to clarify that because uh, yeah, I love just, what you're saying. Yeah. It's just a proof. It's not a, it's not the only thing. Um, okay. So, so uh, how do you grow in a way that's meaningful? Well, that's what the other seven are for. So to summarize, uh, all growth occurs through experience. Uh, you have to have experience is just some sort of action or, or event or observation over time, right? So you have to have that. You have to have time and, and you have to have a world. And that's what the, what we live in to, to have experience so that you grow. Uh, and even if you're thinking that's an experience, so just uh, just uh, to, to close that loop there. Uh, the uh, third thing is desire. You have to have motivation to have experiences that lead to growth. That's why we you know, have hunger all the time. We want to go eat and so you stay alive and, and grow and thrive. Uh, belief is what sustains you through adversity. So when you face setbacks, your motivation isn't necessarily enough. You have to believe that it's doable. If you don't believe it, then you won't do it. Um, now, that's not guaranteeing, you know, law of attraction things would say desire, believe, receive, right? I'm not saying that necessarily because I can't prove that. And I want to stick, uh, I want to stay uh, true to folks who might be atheist or, or, 
or skeptics. I want this to work for them too. So um, I'm not saying guaranteeing that desire, believe equals receive. I'm saying desire and belief are necessary and you can't have it without it. Can you have it with it? Well, um, if you keep going, eventually you'll probably get there, but I can't uh, guarantee it. Uh, emotions are your feedback telling you the relationship between your desires, your beliefs, and your experiences. And if they're all in alignment, you'll feel good and they're, and they're good things. Or if they're in conflict, like if you want something but don't believe you can have it, you'll feel bad. So it's, it's giving you feedback. Uh, ethics are your rules to follow to not hurt other people in your uh, growth uh, objectives. Um, and then you could also have positive ethics, what I call them, uh, where you actually do uh, behaviors that achieve the outcome. Uh, but most people think of negative ethics, like uh, laws and things where it's like, hey, don't punch someone in the face. Um, and so you have to do that to cooperate with other living organisms because you can achieve more growth that way, which is the seventh item, which is support. Uh, you can grow more uh, with others than you can by yourself. Uh, just imagine trying to build a self-driving car from scratch, starting at the beginning of humanity, where you have no physics or math or you know tools or anything, and you, you need to do that. Would it take you literally an eternity uh, to, to do all of that with one person? And you may never do it. But with many people, we are on the precipice of, of having self-driving cars show up everywhere. Uh, and then finally, uh, choice. So uh, everything you do in life is a choice. You choose what you focus on. You choose what you do in, with your life. You choose what you think. Um, you choose where you put your attention and you can choose to have meaning. You can choose to be happy. Um, a lot of things in your life are, are choices. And if you don't uh, choose to, uh, to, to do what you want with your life or, or make the life uh, uh, that you want, um, then you are basically choosing to let others choose for you. So those are the eight and you have to really master those to, uh, if you want to drive your sense of meaning and purpose in life. Wow. That's awesome. Um, I'm thinking back to years ago, someone asked me what, what my definition of success was and it, you know, mm -hmm. and on its face, it seems like really simple. Uh, and uh, I ultimately not near as detailed as you, but it was a blend of so that the aspiration piece. So, um, the discontent that comes with, I haven't done it yet. Like I have this next mm -hmm. thing I want to work on, but also the celebration. So making mm -hmm. sure to, um, recognize and acknowledge the progress. And so the blend of the two, cause if you only have the celebration, that's always thinking in the past mm -hmm. and can lead to like, you know, but now what, and then yep. the discontent of having that next thing, which gives you that motivation and excitement about the next thing. Um, yeah. as you were talking, I couldn't help, but think about are are you are you in the u.s yes mm -hmm. okay um and i don't want to make this political but i want to make it a um just a little exercise yeah. because i really um in your your eight mm -hmm. i was thinking of um mask wearing mm -hmm. is that aligned in any way you know and i just because yeah. i started thinking of the of course, this isn't like a goal or anything. I guess it was more aligned with like thinking of others and, and those kinds of things. But does that fit at all? Like, I feel like there's a disconnect right now. Yeah. Um, and politics are just applied ethics. So you're, you're asking an ethical question. Um, so we can stick with the ethics side. We don't have to get into politics and start naming names. Right. Exactly. I know. Things, right. Yeah. Um, so there, uh, politics to, to, to be blunt, um, uh, the political divide right now is just a conflict of, of major ethics. And you can take any uh, argument, right? Uh, let's take let's take some controversial ones. I won't take a position. I'll just list the two. Yeah, yeah. So like abortion, for example, it's it's the right to be able to do whatever you want with your body, which in a vacuum, no one disagrees with, uh, mm -hmm. with the uh, right uh, to uh, life. <laughs> it's a right, the right to not be harmed. Right. Uh, and uh, because one person is inside of another person for nine months, therefore those ethics conflict. So the question right. is, 
which one supersedes the other. And right. that's the debate. It's not one is Hitler and wants to kill everybody and everybody else is, 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 uh, is right. virtuous, evil, uh, pure evil. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's not like that at all. It's which ethic wins. And, and the thing is that if you look at the Supreme court ruling in the U S and they drew a line at viability that said before viability, the control your own body, uh, uh ethic takes, uh, precedence. And then afterwards the right to life takes precedence. And it's that simple. You're just moving the line around. People are like, well, I want to move the line earlier. Texas did that. Right. And other people mm-hmm. are like, no, we want the line all the way to go until you come out. And before mm-hmm. then you should be able to do whatever you want. Um, and, uh, and, and then, you know, arguing that the other side is, is evil if they disagree with you is yeah, kind so of silly helpful. because right. it's just like, no, we're prioritizing different ethics. So the mask wearing, oh, and sorry, the, the ultimate. So before I get to the mask wearing the ultimate trade-off, it's it, all, all politics in today's environment, not in back when they were like, uh, you know, despots everywhere and things, but in a, in a more of a democratic or Republic type system, there are just two uh, uh, ethical trade-off, uh, an ethical trade-off between two things. It's public safety and individual liberty. That is mm-hmm. it. And yes. you are somewhere on the spectrum. And if you want to yes. pick the philosophies that back those, individual liberty is what you might call libertarian. And uh, uh, the uh, public safety or well-being is what you might call socialist. And so to use those, again, we'll stick with the philosophies, not the politics. Um, you know, if you're a libertarian, you say, I want to be able to do whatever I want to do as long as I'm not hurting anyone else. And if I hurt someone else, I'm accountable for it. And then you have the uh, socialist side that says, no, everybody has to be uh, the same and, and everyone has to be well off. Uh, and if someone is better than someone else, then that's a wrong and you have to, to write it. Uh, and, and and you can't hurt anybody for, and you can't even be at risk of hurting anyone. That's why we have speed limits and things, because it's not about hurting someone and being accountable for it. It's about making sure that nothing bad ever happens to anyone ever. And so, and even if it restricts your freedom. And so there will always be a fight for all time between those two things, the libertarian metaphor, uh, metaphorically or the socialism. Metaphorically. Well, and let's not even put the labels on them, really. Yeah. But I loved what you said. Freedom about and safety. The free- Freedom yes, safety. thank you. There you go. Yeah. And um, because everyone's just no one's communicating about it, everyone's lacking on one side or another and the other side is evil. Yeah. So that's just in a nutshell. I love. Yeah, I love the simplicity that. Yeah, because for me, the mass is yes, the freedom. You know, I get to do what I want. Uh, women can't do what they want, but like but I get to do what I I want to wear a mask or not, but like I happen to be in a place right now where the National Guard is here helping because there aren't enough healthcare workers and the waiting rooms, the ERs are filled and people are waiting days for beds. And I had a a relative of a relative, my cousin's mother-in-law was having strokes multiple mini strokes went to the Mm -hmm. ER. They had no bed in her home. She's still Mm -hmm. having strokes. She was collapsing. So yeah, someone gets the liberty to wear a mask, but it is impacting others. And so, yeah, where do you draw that line? Yeah. And that's uh, the mask wearing and the, and the vaccine mandates and all these things. It's all just every single debate that's ever, that will ever exist from now on. uh, And from even before now uh, will be a a freedom versus safety argument. Um, And so mask, it's like, well, you should be f- free to choose if, if you should be free to choose what you want to do with your own body, which is the, you know, the abortion argument, those same people are trying to force to uh, force people to have uh, uh, vaccines injected into them. So there are arguments every, and, and this points out that everybody's basically a hypocrite. It's, it's and I don't mean that in, in a, in a, in a negative way where people are bad or anything. It's just that um, when it affects you, you will find some way to justify whatever it is you want, even if it's the opposite of what you think other people should do. And, and it's just a human nature to, to, to wow. I think when that. we, 
but I think when we get into actual problem solving and negotiating, we mm-hmm. acknowledge that there's a spectrum. Uh, yep. And right now we're not talking spectrum and we're not talking that others are not evil and we're not talking, you know, and we can't, yep. if someone has one specific view on one topic, we can't throw them in a bucket and say, I know all of you because humans are mm-hmm. way more complex than that. <laughs> yeah. But so, but you could see it in the in the law yeah. setting, like the, the yeah. uh, you have someone who sets a law that says, hey, no one should go out to a restaurant, and then you, oh, lo and behold, the media catches them at a restaurant, or no one should be able to go and get their haircut, and then you see them going to get their haircut, and because they look at it, and go, well, I'm important, and this is necessary for my job, and it's like, well, mm-hmm. everybody could say that, and it's just that's the thing is that um when 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 it hurt, that's why you know when people change their mind when things affect them, like oh, yeah. I was against this rule or law or right or whatever, and then you know some of my family actually had the thing that I was against and now I'm for it. It's like, yeah, <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> because right. as long as you don't feel it, you don't right. care. And then once you do, you do care. And it's just really a matter of, uh, uh, of trying to do the freedom versus safety argument, but then also like, does it affect you argument? Those are the two main things that people like. So like, you don't care about the masks until you know someone who gets sick or you get sick, in which case you want everyone to wear masks. But you know, it's, it's really just a matter of, um, or, or the opposite where you're afraid. And so you want everyone to well, wear masks. or you're somewhere in the middle, you know, yeah. like where you are doing the thing where you're objective on both sides of realizing you're not lacking in staunchly on one side or the other. Well, it's just only only size you hear uh, on media are the two extremes, right? So that's that's why I'm using them as the, yeah. as the two sides. But you're correct. Most people are like, well, I wanted to do this, but not this. And, and this is okay, yeah. but not that. Yeah. yeah, which is what, yeah. Without a hugely divided country, there's a bit more of that at least. But um, yeah, in the characters allowed on Twitter, people don't get a point across that has nuances at all. So there's no real <laughs> yeah. communication. So, okay. Anyway. Yeah. I'm just frustrated with the divide and yeah, the whole communication thing. So anyway, I had a feeling that you would be able to simplify. So I love that. Um, yeah, the freedom, freedom, freedom versus safety. safety. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's awesome. All right. Well, sorry. I took a little bit of a sidetrack, but <laughs> Um, so, uh, so you talked a bit about, um, the experience that motivated you, uh, to make this impact beginning when you were six and your father left, which mm-hmm. I can't imagine. I know you said you don't really remember the emotions at the time, but it sounds like that is, was the catalyst that launched you into studying all of this, which again is amazing for six years old. But, um, did you at the time or along the way, at what point was it, uh, wanting to make a unique impact for the world versus I'm studying studying all of this to kind of figure out how I can kind of relate to others in what in a quote unquote more normal way and, and all of that. Yeah. So, um, I mean, in terms of, uh, why I ended up kind of going this direction is that, um, you, you know, I advise executives for, I think it's, it'll be 18 years in uh, March. Um, so, uh, I, I know that that's kind of my purpose in life and I kind of accidentally fell into it. Um, when I graduated from college, I graduated a semester early because I had enough credits. I actually had enough credits to graduate in three years, except I was missing one class. Um, so I took the last semester, I, took, I had one finance class left because I was my major. Uh, and then I decided to load it up with psychology classes. And what was amazing was two things. One, I found that I was awake and alert and, and raising my hand all the time in my psychology classes. And I was falling asleep in my <laughs> one last final, final finance class. Uh, but the second thing that was interesting is that I knew all the answers already in my psychology class because I had already done all the studying. <laughs> so I knew all the answers there. 
my favorite one I remember is they're like, oh, when when do you uh, does the passion side of relationships fall uh, fall off uh, in uh, human um, uh, relationships? And I raised my hand. I'm like, yeah, 18 to 24 months. They're like, yeah, it's 18 to 24 months. I'm like, yeah, because <laughs> I knew the answer already. Uh, and so, um, like, I, that's just got the kind of stuff I was studying for 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 years and years. Um, so. Uh, when I graduated, I uh, fell into this job I had where uh, literally uh, someone named Brooke, who I tried to find out who it was, I still can't to this day, but they're like, hey, Brooke referred you. I was like, yeah, Brooke, yeah, wonderful. Uh, no idea who that is. Um, and uh, I got referred to a company, it was called Corporate Executive Board. It doesn't exist anymore, it was acquired and, and, and changed its name and things. But uh, it was a research advisory firm for uh, large organizations for executives. Um, and so I started doing it and I got to the higher levels of it where you get to be the advisor and, and do this and lead the research efforts. And it's just so amazing. It's so uh, the entire research run was based on the fact that everybody's having issues because they have, uh, so, uh, they believe something that is incorrect. Uh, they have a false idea of how the world works or how their problem works. And if you could just correct them and say, no, that's actually this other thing, and then help them see how to act with that new understanding um, that they would actually succeed and solve the problem. And so I actually, uh, you couldn't do that for years without affecting you. And I was like, well, I could really apply this. I started applying to my own life. Well, everyone thinks this, but I think this. And so that's why I'm going to do it this way. And, I, and look, I, I have more money than other people because I was able to save or do this, or I was able to, you know, I was happier because I did this, or I was healthier because I did this. Uh, and I just kind of looked at it differently. And so that's when I decided to apply it to life. And I was like, you know, if I could just help people understand um, the drivers and how to figure it out for themselves, um, I could really help make a difference. But the biggest thing that mattered the most to me was, you know, you see all these like Netflix shows on cults and things. And usually what happens is that these cults, um, they suck you in because they provide unconditional love to you, right? That's the way that like 99% of them <laughs> do it, um, where they say, oh, you're part of us. You're one of us. No one will judge you here with your part. You know, you're part of the group and people who are, are get sucked in are usually the ones who uh, don't feel any of that, right? They feel judged. They feel like they're different. They feel like, uh, you know, people don't like them and things like that. And so they immediately get, you know, get sucked into this group where everyone's providing all this positive regard toward them and they feel like a part of something. And then eventually, of course, the call leader usually does something bad, like takes money or uh, abuses them in, in some way. And so, so I was like, man, like, why, why is it that you have to uh, go somewhere? At, what, and I'm not going to. I don't mean a lump religion in this, but like whether it's a religion or a cult or it's any of these things, it's like, hey, uh, you know, here's the way the world works, but then you also have to do what I do or believe what I believe or follow me or give me money or whatever it is. Uh, and I was like, how can I, you know, break that apart? And I was like, how can I give people the advice that they need, the the um, the, the analysis that they're looking for about how things work so they can master it um, without all of that either bias or 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 hidden agenda? Um, and so I um, I wrote the book and and I have the site. The site's free. I don't have any ads on it or anything like that. Um, literally, the only thing I sell is the book. Um, so I don't have any super secret, uh, you know, <laughs> the super secrets uh, workshops that only the best people get. Um, I don't do any of that. You know, I'm sure maybe one day if I wanted to do it for uh, a living instead of my advisory gig for leaders that I might have to do stuff like that. Um, but I figure why not take a shot at just kind of trying to just here's the answer. I'm just selling the book because it helps me to fund more stuff with this topic. Um, but everything else is just, you know, here are the answers, uh, uh, figure it out for yourself from there. Great. I, I love the story that that moved mm -hmm. you into this work. So tell me, uh, as you think back, uh, can you describe one impact that you've made either for an individual or maybe it was a team um, where uh, that really fuels your own passion? 
like really mm-hmm. has you feel that, um, that success, that celebration point, and also fuels your tenacity and continuing to do the work. Yeah. Well, the, the best memory I have in advising leaders, which is kind of what led me into advisory just in general in this, in this path on the, the book is, uh, I helped someone, um, I, people probably won't know what this is, but I was helping someone to create a service catalog. Um, it's an IT thing where you, you define your services that you provide to the organization. And uh, I helped them the whole way through. I helped them at the beginning. They understood it. Uh, I answered questions in the middle and, and, and saw what kind of work and gave feedback. And then they came back to me at the end and I can only describe it. It was almost, it, I always shoot for the, like the winning the Super Bowl moment, right? Cause you watch people win the Super Bowl and they're doing like confetti angels and things. And you're just like, wow, I want to have that feeling. That looks amazing. Uh, and so these, these two ladies, super nice people came back to me at the end and showed me that catalog and show, and said they presented to leadership. They loved it so much. They made it mandatory for every shared service part of the organization to provide this catalog. And they were saying how great it was and help you. And they were showing all these things and it was all great. And like, I almost had, like, I started tearing up a little bit. I was just like this this is amazing. I was like, this is what it feels like to win the Super Bowl. Cause it's like, oh, wow, you really, you really accomplished something amazing. Um, and you changed someone's life or whatever. And so that was, I was like, wow, that is cool. Uh, and so in my, uh, in, in the book, in terms of that, um, I mean, it's still uh, early going. I don't have like people coming up to me on the street and saying, wow, you changed my life or anything like that. I'm not, I'm not like a Jordan Peterson or whatever, but, <laughs> but, but uh, I, I, I do uh, uh, feel that, um, you know, there is some things changing. I know some, some of the reviews on um, Amazon, for example, example, or things like uh, th- this person reminds me of a John Nash or something. And I'm like, wow, that was that was probably the best compliment I've ever gotten with regards to the book. Because they're like, it's it's like looking inside the mind of a John Nash because he understands how everything fits together. And I was like, wow. Um, and it's that kind of impact. That's what I'm I'm hoping for. And I hope I, to get more where, where people read the book and go, oh my God, like that he, he figured it out. Like, this is how it all fits together. This is how it works. And this is actually both scientifically proven, but also if I have any faith of any nature, or like I mentioned law of attraction earlier, if you believe in that, um, actually all of these concepts are compatible with every philosophy that's ever existed. Now, people may disagree on the the what within it, like, well, how your emotions work or, or, or what your beliefs you should, what beliefs you should have or whatever, but that every belief system that has ever existed has to cover these eight things or, uh, you, they won't be, um, they won't help drive your meeting in life. Wow. Okay. Um, so, uh, so that's great that you have one of your eight mm-hmm. <laughs> you're living out. So that's wonderful. So, uh, tell me what has been your biggest internal or external challenge that you've had to overcome and how did you overcome it? Oh, man. Uh, I mentioned it earlier. The, the idea that once I learned it, therefore everyone knows it, <laughs> that was the, yeah. probably the biggest thing. So I was like, I, I kept telling myself, who am I to write this book? Like, you know, I, 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 I it is weird. Cause you could study for 20 years. You know, they always say the best scientists, uh, who know uh, more than anyone in the field still act very humble. Uh, in fact, I, I was watching a thing the other day where the um, the guy, they said, do you know a lot about this topic? And he said, he didn't say yes. He said, well, I've been studying this topic for 25 years or whatever. And it was like, it's so humble, not even to say I'm an expert on it, just to say, well, I've been, ex- uh, you know, having these experiences, if you will, to use my, my vernacular uh, for 25 years. Uh, and so my biggest issue was like, could I do it justice? Uh, would anyone care? Uh, what if people said I was wrong? What if I made a mistake? And um, it turned Turns out uh, a couple things that are good. If you're going to do something that you, the audience uh, listening here, um, are are thinking of undertaking something similar and have similar uh, put uh, thoughts in your head, uh, two things that'll make you feel better. Uh, first of all, 
uh, worst case scenario, no one cares. And so what? <laughs> so like, like if, if you, if like, if I put out the book and don't raise it, like who cares? Like then no one read it. So I can't, even if I was wrong, no one would know. Um, I'm kidding. But uh, secondly, and the other thing is uh, you can always change it. You can always fix it. You can always update it. Like the, <laughs> the, the book, you can have a second edition, you know, you can write stuff on your website. You can say, Hey, I made this mistake and write it and fix it in your blog. Like you can constantly improve the point of life is to grow. And so you can't grow in, unless you, you know, do something and it did, you know, you're in a state where you didn't do it right and then you go and become into a state where you where you come into a state where you uh did do it right so um uh, uh to be better you have to uh risk uh, may, uh you know uh, encountering issues and things so i definitely think it was worth it i'm really glad that i, I published it but man it was so hard I, it took me seven years to write the thing because i kept rewriting it rewriting it and wondering if i did it justice and eventually i did actually come to feel good about it uh, but it did take a long time well those are wonderful words of inspiration to others because i doubt anyone listening um I doubt if there's even one person who hasn't had those thoughts. We all do that. I mean, I think that's part of our human nature that we need to overcome. Also, so often when something is in our gifting, it has come easily to us. We're passionate about it. Uh, you know, we love it. And we tend to minimize that too, because it came so easily to us when it's really our unique gift yeah. um, that we think everyone has this, there's nothing special. And then we look at other people's gifts, you know, what they're good at. And we're like, oh man, I wish I could do that. <laughs> Yeah. So instead of celebrating what we can do, uh, we, we waste that energy on the, the coveting, uh, what we can't or what we're not great at. And, um, so I love, uh, I love that. Like keep going anyway, mm -hmm. just overcome it. And, uh, yeah. And I love it. Like what's the worst that's going to happen. Either no one cares or just tweak it, make mm -hmm. something different from it. So that's awesome. So, uh, I'm sure you, like anyone else has come across, you know, tough times. And what are some of the strategies that you use to stay motivated and moving during any tough times? Uh, well, there are a few things. Uh, number one is rest and don't feel bad about it. Um, so, I mean, that, that applies to anything. Like if I don't feel like going to the gym one day, then I don't. It's like, okay, just rest and don't feel guilty about it and then go to the next day. Um, or if it's like, oh, I don't feel like working on this thing today. Maybe you don't. Uh, and, and maybe you need rest or maybe you just need time to clear your mind or whatever. Um, obviously you can't do that over and over, and over again before uh, you just drop it off and turn out you didn't want it to begin with or, or didn't want it enough. But um, uh, but it's okay. Uh, sometimes you need rest to stay motivated. You can't just keep burning yourself out. Um, and that's why people say, oh, what if you keep growing and don't find meaning? That's usually what they mean is what if I keep efforting and, and not finding meaning anymore? And that's because you haven't rested. Um, but the other thing is, it's okay. Uh, spe speaking of like things like rest, uh, you, there are other things in your life. Um, so if you have one goal and you're just working toward it, I mean, there are the Peyton Mannings in the world and things where it's like, okay, I'd be the best quarterback ever. And they just study football 24 uh, seven. But as we were talking about with regard to kind of call back to the politics uh, point, uh, pe people don't usually operate in extremes, right? So uh, most people have a variety of growth areas. Maybe they have family, maybe they have friends, uh, maybe they have a job, uh, maybe they have a hobby, um, maybe they have uh, health uh, or, or fitness goals, um, and they can have all of those at the same time. Uh, and so if, if something is, 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 uh, making them feel down in one area, you just focus on another area for a while uh, and just let that area kind of go until you feel a little bit better about it. Uh, those kinds of techniques um, will help uh, you from uh, uh, from keep put, uh, from keeping pushing and, and not feeling like you're uh, uh, getting anywhere. Um, people, That's why people use techniques, techniques like um, uh, meditation, mindfulness, and things like that, um, because it allows you to, you know, say, saying things like this too shall pass or whatever will allow you to say, hey, look, this is a tough time. I'm going to get through it. Uh, 
um, maybe instead of making myself miserable through it, I try to make myself feel a little bit better and then I'll be more equipped uh, to get through the tough times. Maybe a new idea will come to my mind in the shower, or maybe I will, um, uh, 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 something, uh, someone else will come to my life and say, Hey, uh, actually, you know, you can solve it this way. Uh, maybe I can go look at the internet eventually when I have, uh, have the time. Uh, so maybe you don't have to solve everything yourself. Uh, but it's that number seven, that support, um, uh, that support, uh, uh item in the, uh, eight, um, that, uh, is really the thing that you want to do, uh, to, to leverage and just have a whole list of things that can help you. Uh, it can be anything from people, uh, experts or family or friends to, so that's why I call it support, not cooperation or, or friendship or anything like that, because, uh, non living things can support you too, right? Your house keeps you sheltered and, you know, uh, uh, you can eat food. And so certain things can, um, can keep you, uh, keep you afloat during those times. So find support and you'll be able to get through it. That's great. So license to rest and rest without guilt, rejuvenate balance. Uh, yeah. If you're not focusing on, you know, people talk about like the wheel that is squished in one side (laughs) because you're like, you're gunning it out in one area, but you're letting some other areas, uh, you know, get unhealthy. And then of course that's zapping your energy. And I love your concept of support and thinking not in terms of just people, but on, you know, dwellings and other things. So, um, yeah, that you have a restful place to, to be, um, to live, to, to sleep. Um, it brings to mind too, in terms of our relationships, uh, you know, as someone who's been providing support to others for like 30 years, uh, I found myself, you know, full disclosure at a place where I didn't have like my kind of team Kirsten Mm -hmm. and I had miss, um, misassigned some people into relationship buckets that had me having expectations that weren't really aligned with what the relationships actually were. Uh, and what I mean by that is, again, I was serving in so many different ways through my work. And then I had started a ministry. So I was serving there. Um, I had all these people in my life, but then when I had gone through some tough times, I felt like, wow, like, where are the, where are the people? And it was, I had not kept a good blend of also the relationships, either symbiotic or those relationships that were like my, my, uh, trusted advisors or my key people who were going to be in my corner. So, um, that support piece, I think it's so important to, um, it can feel like, oh, they're going to, you know, I'm doing all this serving, you know, they're going to be there for me, but they see you in a different light. And, and so not all, so not only will they probably likely not be there when you need them, but also there's going to be that disappointment of why aren't you there, but they're seeing you in a serving role. They're not, it's not symbiotic. I don't know if I'm making sense here, but anyway, this yeah. um, part of it is like recalibrating sometimes the relationships and then making sure um, that you have a good blend of, of all the different kind of relationships, especially if you're working to make your impact. Yeah. And you kind of hinted at something a, a lot of people worry about things like uh, addictions and things like that. And of course you do want to avoid them, but, um, one of the big reasons for addictions is the negative emotions toward the thing that comforts you. Right. So like people who let's take eating, um, issues. So like, let's say you eat a tub of ice cream or something when you're feeling bad, but then you feel bad about eating the ice cream and then it just creates a negative, negative, negative cycle. And that's the difference between um, someone who does that in, a, in an unhealthy way. And then someone who does it in a healthy way. I mean, you can, you can eat um, some ice cream. Uh, you know, I eat yeah. ice cream almost every night <laughs> uh, and it makes me feel better, but, <laughs> but uh, I, um, but, but then I, 
I, it makes you feel better. I accept that that's what I did to feel better. And then I move on and I, you know, I do something like I go exercise or whatever and things like that. So it's the people who have that um, uh, just feel it, a lot of it is like the guilt and the negative emotions. And then they do destructive behaviors and then feel bad about that. And it's just a never ending death spiral of, uh, of, of bad things. And so uh, if you can come to a healthier um, uh, level, a relationship with uh, things that comfort you in life, whether it's rest or whether it's food or whether it's uh, uh, video games or whatever it is that you like to do. Uh, and then, uh, and then say, look, I'm going to do this for like an hour. I'm going to do this for this thing. And I'm going to be happy about it. I'm not going to feel guilty. Uh, and then that's part of, that can be part of the recovery process. It's when you say, oh, well, I screw it. It's all like over anyway. And I'm going to just uh, self-destruct. That's where it becomes unhealthy. And I think if you maintain that difference that, um, that you you can be able to, 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 to get through tough times with that support, um, but not have it turn into a, a crutch or, or at worst, a, some sort of addiction or, or, or unhealthy behavior. Yeah. So powerfully choosing the thing and with limits that you're placing on it. And again, not out of a have to, but what creates a life of balance where it still truly is supporting you versus kind of taking you down. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yes. Oh, this has been such an amazing conversation. Um, I love the, I love the way your brain works, by the way. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love the analytical way um, that you look at the world and um, and your ability to simplify very complex uh, topics. And um, so go get his book. Uh, it is The Meaning of Life. And again, you can find that at yourmeaninginlife.com. The link will be at today's show, show notes. Uh, if you go to the defeatthedrama.com, click on the podcast tab and go to episode 255, you will find that link and any others to get in touch with Nate. So any final parting words, Nate? Sure. So uh, just to summarize everything we talked about today, if you want to make an impact, uh, words of wisdom, first, find a growth area that you enjoy uh, being a part of. Um, second, find experiences that can help you develop in that area. Third, uh, build your desire and motivation to do those things, both the experiences and to have the outcome. Uh, fourth, believe uh, that you can do it. Uh, fifth, uh, use your emotions as feedback as to whether you're moving toward growth or whether you're you know, afraid or feeling harm. Uh, sixth is uh, then uh, the uh, ethics. So do things in a way that make you feel good about what you're doing. Uh, seventh, support. Uh, make sure that you get help on your journey and don't you don't have to do it alone. Uh, and then finally, uh, choice. Uh, make sure that you just, it's the little choices in life. Your, your life is a sum of many uh, small choices, not some, I mean, not necessarily some big choice that changes everything. So uh, just make good choices that that get you toward a better state. Uh, and you'll find uh, your life to be more meaningful. Awesome. Great. Thanks so much for that summary. And again, thanks so much for uh, sharing all your wisdom today and for the amazing book that you've written. And I just want to throw out there, if you are working to make your impact and you need some, any kind of additional support, you can also find a wealth of digital resources. And actually the, I have a little one page sheet relationship renovation roadmap. If if you are struggling with some of the relationships and maybe needing to recalibrate expectations or make sure that you've got your right support uh, in line, uh, you can find that for free, actually, by going to myimpactacademy.com forward slash gifts. Uh, you'll see it along with a few other freebies, uh, both video and PDF downloads. Uh, so definitely go there. Again, that's myimpactacademy.com forward slash gifts and look for the re relationship renovation roadmap. So again, Nate, thanks so much. And I look forward to staying connected and to uh, monitoring and seeing all the, uh, the amazing work that you're doing. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.